to positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. altruism it's super effective and then there's a like a like a muck and he's like melting no he's melting he's learning community a muck like mukbang he's a pokemon i'm oh, sorry i'm talking pokemon. about pokemon again the new one came out which we are not we, we do not do as a show anymore <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this effective altruism thing that the uh the 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 crypto polycule is using as justification for having fucked a bunch of finance shit up i uh it's wow it's a really incredibly stupid ideology i read a little bit about it it sounds basically like if you boiled down everything that americans believe uh, is the way things work should be right it's kind of the superhero um view of social change yeah the the FDX folks and a lot of people who in just captains of industry, aspiring captains of industry, uh, especially millennials. I'm an aspiring captain of industry. Uh, well, maybe you're in, in EA, in EA Gamer. I'm um, a private of industry right now. I'm a temporarily, temporarily embarrassed captain. I'm okay. a snee of industry, you know, from uh, Peter Pan. I'm Captain Falcon. Falcon Punch and hello and welcome to the show. Oh yeah, welcome to Pod Damn America. By the way, we didn't see you there. Uh huh. We were just having these engaging conversations we have every day. We are talking today about the FTX fuck shit. Uh, yes. Splash. We don't know what it stands for. Um, <laughs> no one does. Yeah, I know. It could be one of those things like SAT uh, that doesn't actually stand for anything anymore. But um, a lot of these folks as I was saying, are into this concept called effective altruism. And I am just going to interject really quick. It's not standard aptitude test? It was, and they changed it to just oh, okay. SAT. They ch what? Yeah. They Why changed they it to SAT. Okay. They did an AJJ on it? I guess so. <laughs> That's If you get that joke and you're laughing to yourself in your black jorts right now oh, listening no. to this, good job. I'm not going to explain it to the normal people. Oh, God. I, I'm laughing. But the the idea, and this is the way they like just you know justified the self-professed Ponzi scheme that is cryptocurrency is to just generate as much money as possible so you can give it away. Earn to give is the name, and they will tell people, young people in college who are thinking about careers like being a, a public defender, for instance, don't do that because someone else will become a public defender. You should instead become an exec. And you should do it because if the other person who's going to become an exec isn't necessarily going to give all their money away to the Gates Foundation. Or oh, no. Bullshit. This is why it's yeah. uniquely stupid in America, I think, is because altruism to these people is like donating to nonprofits, which if you know anything about nonprofits and NGOs and shit, they don't actually do a lot. They just most a lot of times I think in the in the American psyche they function as a I'm not a bad person. I gave money to this thing is what people get yeah. out of it. Emotional a lot of release times. valve. As a substitute for like 
you know, I mean, whatever big brained like socialist and communist theories, but also just like taxing shit and then voting on where the money goes, you know? Right. Because in order for them to be actually effective as, you know, NGOs, organizations relieving problems like poverty, you know, climate change, whatever it is, they they would put themselves out of business, right? Because if you end hunger throughout the world, which I would love to do, then you have no more need for a hunger organization. Right. That's true. Um, This is also something Elon would talk about a lot when he was first threatening to ruin all of our lives like he's doing now is he would say like, um, you know, I don't, I believe like I am smart. So I just should decide where the money I donate, you know? And like, it's uh, the idea that if you've made it, you have to be a stupid, like, like capitalist to think this because it operates under the assumption that, well, if this person has the most money in the world, they must be the most smart and able person. Therefore, they're the best to decide where the money goes right. because society and the world is a game of civilization that they are playing and they're the user and we're just... They're the best it. of us and that's why they get to marry Grimes. Yeah, and then get um, cucked by Grimes. So does it work the other way if you're Elon and you blow like billions of dollars buying a social media application you don't know how to use and then it like ruins the worth of the company? Is that like effective... Uh, what's the opposite of altruism? Like malice or whatever? Is that like... <laughs> terrorism? <laughs> yeah, it's like terrorism. <laughs> I mean, some would argue that it's ultimately altruistic to, to destroy Twitter, but... That's true. Uh, I am kind of looking... I mean, I'm not sure it's going to happen, but if it is like completely destroyed, it will be nice to just be like, I, I have nothing to do now. I, I'm on yeah. the train, and I guess I'm just going to be on the train. No, it'll be like the end of a movie. Like, we'll all walk outside for the first time in, like, 15 years. And be like, I'm just going to start touching strangers' faces. Yeah. <laughs> a tree? No explanation. Just weeping. The entire time I was on the computer? <laughs> it's so beautiful. Oh, there's color in the world. <laughs> So a lot of this stuff goes back to a philosopher, an ethical philosopher, Peter Singer, who's an Australian. Peter and, Singer? Yeah, I believe a vegan. Vegan? Um, views things on a, in a very personal way. Um, that's, you know, it's it's all about, yeah, yeah, you as an individual, you can change the world. It's your responsibility to, for instance, not eat meat or whatever. Tofu? Yeah. Um, Tofu? But a lot of this stuff just boils down to these weird sort of equations that you're supposed to constantly be doing in your head about like how many people, you know, it's the classic, like, would you kill a a child to save a million people in another Mm -hmm. galaxy or something like that? It's like you're, you're supposed to just walk through the world thinking of that at all times, especially about unborn people, which is a strange term for them to use. Because it sort of has a progressive sheen to it in unborn, mm. of course, is a term that uh, anti-abortion people use quite often. Um, Sounds very um, goth, unborn. We are the unborn. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like uh, spirits who live in the shadow realm. Unborn. <laughs> <laughs> but he's sort of like ambivalent about capitalism. He's just kind of concluded that there there is no alternative uh and I, you know i remember because i did work for a nonprofit uh when i was like 19 um by that i mean i was a canvasser and it was awful um 
I do always feel really bad for those people. Yeah. I've done that shit. It sucks. I mean, it's one thing to go door to door, like for a cause or candidate, which is very stressful, but it's another to just like bug people on the street about their money. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that was always definitely was the money thing. But I remember asking uh, my boss, it's like, okay, so do we do anything about like the World Bank or the IMF? that are in these countries where we're supposedly sending kids money. And he's like, well, we're not necessarily for those things, mm. but we're just not really addressing that at all. And I actually had this guy from somewhere in West Africa, like yell at me when I was trying to pitch him on this. He was like, that, that, this is not the problem. I won't do the impression. Yeah, this is not the problem. Dude. I could tell you have a whole one ready though. <laughs> That's too bad. <laughs> And like, I didn't, I was like, dude, I'm sorry. You're right. Um, but yeah, it's weird. Cause singer was a Marxist at one point. Um, but kind of ultimately decided that it wasn't tenable and, and, uh, has gone for this and is, you know, um, really thinks that billionaires can change the world if they have enough money and they just got to get the right people in the right position with enough cash and also has he has some very strange ideas about bestiality. <laughs> what did not see this fist coming? This really came out of left field for he me. He argues that as long as it is mutually satisfactory for what both parties. The fuck? So this is a John McAfee thing, then, <laughs> in a way, yeah. Because when he had sex with the whale, how can the whale's you McAfee blowhole. had sex? Oh, how can you tell? He claims to have had sex with the whale. He has some thi- like he. How can you tell the animal's satisfied? <laughs> Well, it's, I mean, depending, I wouldn't have no way of telling a whale is satisfied. <laughs> if it's like a fucking mammal or something, I would get the gist. I, I don't know. I'm I not going to do these things. Be able to tell the difference between a whale, like making a sound like it was in pain and one that was like, thanks. Because <laughs> they're all just like. <laughs> no, blowholes are not sexual orifices. You should not have sex with them. There's a reason John McAfee died, and it's because he offended God by making love to his most beautiful fish. I shouldn't call him that, then. They are great. Majestic. Um, so he. I see what you did there. Yeah. Majestic. He uh, and also has said some pretty heinous stuff about the disabled. He believes that every parent of a disabled child should be presented with the option to terminate Jeez. like after uh, they're born yeah like yeah they just um, leave you a gun in the operating room because <laughs> he is a hardcore utilitarian uh pleasure maximizer basically Jesus like he wants every and you know i think he does but it's all a lot of it is about f- the future and future generations they want as many people as possible because somehow they've concluded that uh there's gonna be a war there's coming. gonna be a lot of pleasure oh, yeah. the more yeah the more, the more the people exist the, the more, more yeah the merrier that's right and but here's the thing i don't understand is like if you think that the uh greatest you know shining path to uh prosperity and happiness and everything is just making the most money then why don't we already have a happier world because all we do is make money it's a great question well, it's just more of a stupid idea the first, like, to begin with than it is <laughs> well, these are, <laughs> an excellent yeah, retort I think or whatever. To them, they are, they're, these are logistical problems, okay. right? Like hunger, famine, uh, disease, you know, there's climate change. And yeah. then they said, well, there's already, they've, like, looked at the amount of money that goes into climate change and concluded, like, they got that covered. 
I mean, just look at all the money that's going into it. <laughs> just like kind of ass backwards logic, but um, but yeah, yeah, they they think it's you just need the smart people to make the the money and do I, their foundation thing. I know we were like having a good time laughing at this, but I can't stress this enough, man. I've talked to a lot of people in my life. This is what most people believe is like <laughs> the the world we live in and the only way to deal with it. The get paper uh, the, uh, philosophy. Yeah, and that things are generally just headed in the direction of like, well, people will just donate money to the stuff that fixes the problems. And that's what else What else could possibly happen, Jake? What are you trying <laughs> to say to me? Pour me my vodka soda. <laughs> yeah, and it's... Uh, Things keep getting worse, and I would love for, yeah, a, a billionaire to flip a switch and make everything great, but that can't happen. This <laughs> this also kind of reminds me, oddly, of, like, um, when I was a kid, I read an Ayn Rand book that was similar, bizarre uh, philosophy trying to grapple with, like, human agency and incentives and stuff, and it was called, someone handed me this and said, you should read this, which is an insane thing Uh-oh. to do. Whoa. The Virtue of Selfishness. Ah, is a sounds book like something she'd say. Yes. Keep this. Yeah, it was just like, greed is good, and it was all about altruism, and it was this huge critique of altruism as being a thing that, like, can't possibly exist, or when it does happen, when someone does do something that isn't for their self-interest at all. It goes against the golden logic of capitalism, and that's why things don't work. So people just Damn. need to be more greedy, and if everyone just acted in their own self-interest, then right. actually, then we wouldn't have If the Sesame Street monsters... animals, or whatever. <laughs> the Sesame Street monsters would simply cook and eat Oscar the Grouch. They wouldn't be so hungry all the time. Yeah, and he wouldn't be homeless point. anymore. No, he'd have a nice home in our full bellies. Yeah. Well, who are we talking a- to today? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, crypto's in the news, and that's why we bring that up there. Um, we are going to be discussing this whole situation with the FTX, with the cryptocurrency, what happened, where it's headed, will it change, will it not? Uh, and to do that, we got a someone who writes for the Financial Times on the show, special, and uh, you may have heard him before. And he's going to break this down, and we're going to all have a, a much more informed take on it going forward so we can own those uh, tech bros at the end of the bar. We are now joined by friend of the show, David Bradley Eisenberg, who is a writer for FT and is going to be talking with us today about FTX, which is the FT's new explicit section in which you're, you've been doing a lot of work. Um, for those who are like want to hear more about what FTX is, why don't we start with the basics? What does it stand for? Well, it obviously explicit, but beyond that, what are some other meetings that the term might have? And uh, what is it, basically? Is this, is this real, or are you doing a really meta joke? Have you ever about- seen a breast, David? <laughs> Before we get started, I just want to um, say that I stand with the Jewish community. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, and I don't... Uh, tolerate any form of anti-semitism <laughs> that being uh, said I, there was a very funny tweet by mia about sam bankman freed where she said like is she just said his name like Bankman, yeah. the bank man bank man <laughs> and people yeah. called people called it anti-semitism but it's his name is bank man yeah. right his name is bank man and he fried the bank and he ran 
basically a crypto bank kind of thing. Tell me God didn't have a plan. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where if you call that anti-Semitic, you're, you're doing it. It's like in the call out is where the anti-Semitism is. Right. If yeah. you're automatically... It's yeah, I've it's uh, it's one of the most like fucking Harry Potter ass names I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I Speaking can't believe of- Money Pockets Buster Lee was a fraud. <laughs> Speaking of which, didn't she have some sort? Of, there was like the there there was like a race of yeah, uh, no, the gremlins who run Gringotts. Yeah. Okay, Gringotts is a bank. Gringotts is the Wizard Bank. Yeah. And you yeah. store and she, your- there was like a. Got, there was like the one Jewish character Goblins. that she like posthumously added in who was named like yeah his name was like David Greedy it was, or something like David that. Bradley Eisenberg it was David, David Bradley, Bradley Eisenberg, Eisenberg and he, he was in uh, of course he was a Ravenclaw I think he was a Goldman was his name because she, she said it because someone <laughs> tweeted at her like uh, well oh, were yeah. there any Jews right. and then she just <laughs> went like Richard Goldman. Are we? <laughs> Goldman Sachs. You're forgetting about fourth year Levi Berkowitz. <laughs> if I can imagine him, he's real. She's such an asshole. Because she didn't even say, like, actually, there was. She just, like, listed it off as if, I don't know. The way she said it was like, yes, we all remember. Check the yearbook. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It didn't. Um, Back to Sam Bankman, is <laughs> well, it freed or fried? Respect to my people, you know, love love my people. Couldn't couldn't do anything but banking for the first like five hundred years of European history. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no. Uh, so who is Sam Bankman Freed? Um, he ran the FTX uh, crypto exchange from the Bahamas. Uh, he is a thirty year old uh, kind of tech guy who had this kind of air about him of being this tech genius guy. He did the whole, like, I'm disheveled, therefore I'm genius thing. Right. Uh, both of his parents, uh, amazingly, are law professors at Stanford, and they specialize in tax law. His dad spe- specialized in tax policy and the role of government in tax havens. So this and is why he lives in the Bahamas? Was he the bankman or the freed? <laughs> That's Joseph Bankman and Barbara Freed. Mm. Distributive. She's a law professor in distributive justice and property theory. Wow. Um, and she wrote a biography about a leading legal realist, which is, um, for all of you listening, means conservative. <laughs> Quite the hereditary gumbo. Oh, actually, this all makes total sense. <laughs> and uh, what is, just to go back on this very basic uh, point here, FT stands for Financial Times. Am I getting that right? Oh, yeah. It's Finland okay. today. No relation. Finland's today. propaganda wing. And FTX is? What, what's a cryptocurrency exchange. exchange. But those, it's, it's not called CCE. Is for, it's like Christmas. It's like exchange. Why is it called that? I don't you know, fucking I don't know why actually, they do any of these things. I up what it is short for Okay. before this interview. Um I got that's a gotcha question. Uh, it's a gotcha question. I, I, I'll sign off now. David is a fraud. <laughs> I don't think it matters. A fraud. David podcast man fraud. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear, it's, I'm okay. So I like just saw this story unfold on Twitter, kind of second degree style this week. I don't really know what we're talking about. That thing you were saying at the beginning of this interview, Anders, about F 
him FT and FTX being related? Is that that was a joke? No. You were joking. He was joking with you're that. just weird riffing. Unless right? there is something our guest wants to break about. <laughs> he I still mean, can't drop it. Has it been? I'm sure it's been floated at FT, an explicit <laughs> section. David, what the fuck are we talking about? What is FTX? Okay. So, okay, so cryptocurrency, we know what that is. Yeah. It's, the, yeah. it's the annoying people on Twitter yeah. who talk about it and they are really it's basically like toys for finance people right like these are um it's a decentral it's on the blockchain it's a decentralized ledger so when you're doing accounting everyone shares the same accounting book and when all change when any changes are made to the accounting book everyone sees them simultaneously all at once the idea is to prevent fraud theft manipulation um how did that crypto cryptocurrencies are the tokens that are based off of that blockchain Crypto exchanges sell those tokens, and sometimes crypto exchanges use the blockchain itself to make the trades. This is going to get really meta mm-hmm. in the descriptions, but like that's Facebook. what you kind of need to know. So it's it, it's like the New York Stock Exchange on the blockchain, okay. kind of. Finally. So this is, in a way, is this comparable to the Bloomberg Terminal? No, okay. not really. The Bloomberg Terminal is a research device that um, does a bunch of things. It looks like it, an ATM. Like, huh? Aren't Bloomberg Terminals like little boxes that are in the street and you can use them and they have like... I thought they were in offices, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> well, how does our society function <laughs> anymore? I, no one knows what anything is. Okay. So I want to bring up Bloomberg. I'm glad glad you brought up Bloomberg because there was this moment on Bloomberg TV. There's a very famous, probably one of the leading financial journalists out there. His name is Matt Levine. Um, And he was interviewed about this like tome that he put out about crypto about like a week or two before FTX collapsed. And he was interviewed and he had an interesting quote about what crypto is and all these crypto projects. Okay. He said – it's not just that some projects are Ponzi. It's that being a Ponzi is sort of baked into the nature of what is going on in the crypto token economy. Right. And then a, another Bloomberg journalist said, said, so with that in mind, obviously the word Ponzi has a lot of negative connotations. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised no one has said like Ponzi is an anti-Semitic slur and therefore we can't it use it. It would be an Italian Slur. It's an anti-Italian slur. <laughs> but you know these... <laughs> and, and then later, so she, like, being at the top of a triangle? You know these uh, white American minds, we meld together Italian and Jewish. It's wrong. Yeah. It's wrong the way we do it. <laughs> and therefore, you can't use it. We'll be Neither a take, I predict. Club. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and basically, then she kind of goes on and says, yeah, I mean, like, if it's a good project, then... Uh, you know, maybe it's not Ponzi schemes are not such a bad thing, is what she said. And like, <laughs> that's what, yeah, I mean, she said that on TV and they publish it. Um, We're unlearning more and more every day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing about this whole phenomenon is that people, th- there's an arrogance about kind of like the new tech economy that we've seen with like Elon Musk and Twitter, where they feel the need to completely destroy something and then relearn the basic fundamentals while like screwing over millions of people in the process of doing so, right? Like Elon Musk is like firing half of his staff and then be like, oh yeah, maybe I do need these controls. (laughs) Mm. Oh, I didn't realize that. Like Sam Bankman-Fried did that, but with like 
the entire history of financial regulation and like the understanding of like you know new deal protections against bank runs and against securities fraud and against exchanges front running and just stealing and just like basic stuff right so um the whole system is kind of baked into that kind of uh that tech mindset of i think just wanting to just recreate something and then just millions of people suffer and are hurt from it um and they created this stock exchange um to sell tokens right and first what they did was they had uh, before they had created the stock exchange, though, they had this uh, hedge fund, which a hedge fund is just like a private fund where rich people like invest in things. Mm-hmm. And there's just like no – there's like some kind of rules but not really – some kind of disclosures but they're not really that public. And they just go and they can invest in whatever. They can say, I think that IBM is going to do good. They're going to invest in IBM. They think that this startup with electric vehicles is uh, you know, the next uh, – Ford, they're going to throw money at that. Um, you know, then they can get even more sophisticated and do crazy stuff. So this, so Sam and his like uh, a couple of people that later ended up being ensnared in like a polyamorous relationship. I think um, mm-hmm. started this. I I, um, I don't know whether he was Paul. Yeah, I think that they were all sleeping together late by the end of it. So I'm gonna. I heard stick with- from Twitter that it was like a ten person polycule or something that was like running this. Yeah, but I heard yeah. that from Twitter. So. The company runs on love. <laughs> <laughs> you can find they, more they about they it on created... the X page at FT. That's not CCS. true. No. If you're listening at home, that is not true. This is already confusing <laughs> without <laughs> meta jokes on top. Of it. Um, <laughs> Please, I'm struggling to learn. Yeah, I'd heard that. Like, who's these... the owl face lady? We'll get to her. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to the owl face lady. But that uh, I had heard that they're all li- like living and working out of this uh, penthouse in like the Caribbean somewhere. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, in uh, in the Bahamas. Sounds nice. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, it was nice. They started this hedge fund called. <laughs> no one's denying know... it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I've heard some things that it was like. Did, weren't they like sleeping? I heard Sam was sleeping in a, on a beanbag. Yeah, four hours a night, which has no like support that. at all. Yeah, uh, although it is a status symbol. <laughs> I mean, they were doing that all for like kind of again. There's like clout in kind of the culture of Silicon Valley of like looking like shit and right. damn, you know. Um, and so he was dating uh, this woman named Caroline Ellison. Um, who was at the end, by the end of it, they think was running out. Al- so they, they, fi- they start this with this hedge fund, right? And the hedge fund is going to do, um, it's going to just invest in crypto projects, right? And he, it's called Alameda Research. Uh, they want to kind of just do run with that. But they soon encounter a huge issue of cryptocurrency. And with a lot of like international finance is that every time you transact and move between countries and move between currencies there's a check there's a regulatory check and there's like an exchange and there are rules around like buying securities of foreignly listed companies like you and i the four of us Mm -hmm. could not like easily buy a company that's listed on the london stock exchange because speak for yourself (laughs) and so we'd have to like go through all these rules and he didn't like that and um I think, uh, Anders, you wanted to talk a little bit about 
why he wanted to do this, right? There's yeah. Um, well, well, why don't we uh, explore a little bit? We touched on this, I think, a, a bit, but I uh, give a, a a better idea of the genesis of FTX. How did this start? It you're saying it originally was a hedge fund and it kind of morphed into this other thing or, or how did this come about? Yeah. So he basically was encountering all of this, like these like red tape basically. Yeah. And he wanted to just have, I mean the whole, the dream of the crypto of like crypto is that you can buy and sell ownership of anything instantly at any time with, with zero friction and mm. zero friction being like tax or regulatory or middlemen, like a banker, whatever um and no like uh instantly at the same time that is kind of the dream of the blockchain of the cryptocurrency utopia um and people so many people have bought into it you know that they just kind of like have these like wildly um utopian visions for the country of el salvador turned it into its fiat currency uh i hear it's going great over there yeah that worked out really bad really really bad the, the uh, apes are all wearing the f- freshest trends. Yeah, the apes are all wearing uh, Hawaiian shirts and shit down there, hanging out on the beach, but they're homeless. But they are homeless, and that's one of the economic issues. We had that yeah. guy, what's his name, Bukele, I think, a leather jacket guy, uh, who's president. Um, and, and, you know, we can joke about it, but it sounds like it actually has had a pretty devastating effect for the <laughs> yeah. turning all of your money into cartoon pictures was yeah a poor idea oh, yeah it, i mean like can you imagine being like a middle or working class person in el salvador and be like if i want to buy bread i need to do what <laughs> <laughs> so is that what it's what what is it uh, yeah on like a practical level how, what is it like down there how do how do they buy bread and shit I, I don't honestly know. I assume that there's some sort of like paper cash that still exists. Okay. Um, but like on a high level, there's still Bitcoin that's supposed to be the fiat currency. Um, I, I, I really don't know enough to, to get into it. But all that's to say is that people really believe in this shit. And mm-hmm. part of the reason why people are able to have this confidence about it is because inst- these like institutions were created to give this air of confidence one of them one of the most perhaps one of the most important ones was ftx created by sam bankman fried and another one is like um is binance and coinbase okay so coinbase is basically just like they they do um without getting too much into the weeds of like what these things do okay there are different terms that everyone's all heard of in finance there's like a stockbroker and then there's a stock exchange and then there's an advisor and then there's people then there's like really weird people like custodians and like transfer agents custodians what does that mean these are just different okay when one of the (laughs) traders throws up the custodian comes in he's gotta like mop out you need a special yeah no what is it really (laughs) these are different people that are performing very high level transactions all at once like remember when me when the gamestop stuff was going on and there was like robin hood and then there was citadel and then there was like virtu these were kind of like big institutions and no one liked them for some reason and everyone was confused like why robin hood turned off trading why i couldn't buy amc stocks for you know 48 hours um and these are all institutions that perform specific jobs within finance. And you can argue – I think that there's like a legitimate argument, especially from like a, a left perspective that these people are rent-seeking, that they're basically just like creating 
a job for themselves that doesn't actually need to be done. And there's a legitimate argument for that, that like there is no need to have like money pass through five hands before you're buying and selling a stock. And all that's doing is just like giving away money to different people who are like, you know, without sending too anti-Semitic, just like leeching off of like working people's money. Right. Someone um, had to say it. <laughs> so, so why These are bag, bag people. <laughs> to be clear, there are many, many Gentiles who are in on this racket. There's well, way right? fewer Jews in finance than you think. There's yeah. way more in Hollywood. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> it's uh. the right amount that I thought. I thought the correct amount. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually a lot more Irish people. There's what? A That's a lie. Ah, I'm sorry. I'm what? Cut his mic. Fuck it, you two. <laughs> there are so many pe- like like Bobby O'Donnellys in oh finance. like fucking Long Island shitheads. Yeah, that makes it, sense. There are so many, so many more. Like it's just yeah, like. Yeah, it's 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 and they're, and they're all the execs and stuff. It's, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're Scotch Irish. You no, know, is, is Jamie Irish. Diamond a Mick? He seems like he's. Irish. You just gotta say less likes ethnic slurs. My mother's maiden name or my mother's last name is Mick Grain. I know. So. I was just like, I feel like you, you <laughs> to like gotta just like get in the habit of not saying it all the time. It'll be like a little easier for you, just I, like conversationally. I'm allowed to say. I know Mick. you can say it. <laughs> That's actually, I mean, I am the thing that I'm. He's like slurring. The, Look at me. That's the one rule when it comes to that sort of shit. My yeah. Mick. Uh, <laughs> but Jamie Diamond. There's Seth, Irish people, and then there's Mix. Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Mr. Diamond's ethnicity aside. Yeah, um, I, don't, I actually don't know what he is. Yeah, actually, and I he and might be a Jew. Sorry, if you're listening, um, don't look it up because I mean, then yeah. that makes you part of the problem. He's got kind of a Bankman Freed esque name, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to Amen. even think about it, but uh, <laughs> parentheses last name. <laughs> but no, uh, okay. All that's to say is that like these different jobs do different things. Okay, some people are like holding your money. Some people are like moving your money between like the owner of the of the company and you. Some of them are like giving you advice as to who you should invest in, and some of them are like the platform, you know, like the the Amazon by which all of this is conducted, and that's like a stock exchange. And so, in in theory, FTX was trying to kind of be all of them um, at once. They were initially mm. trying to be a stock exchange because Bankman Fried's company, which is Alameda Research, um, wanted to find a way to do what they wanted to do in a frictionless environment. And the best way that they could come up with it was to create their own. So that's how that's how FTX was created. Um, and it's going to get more complicated um, as to like all the different weird stuff that they did. But the big, big thing picture thing that they did is that they did all the big no-nos of what you're not supposed to do, which is co-mingling assets and mm. go, taking out loans with other people's money. Uh, that sounds like a Ponzi scheme. Isn't that yeah. what that banks sounds like do? They liked co-mingling. But, but I genuinely yeah. thought that was like a thing, like the f- actual regulated banks, like essentially play yes. around with your money when you're when you have an account with them. They do, but there's like severe restrictions on what they can and can't do, and there are also um, limitations on things on this concept called liquidity. And it's not a sexual term; it's just like the amount of actual like available cash that is there right it's just like stuff that you if if 
shit hits the fan, people can pull out liquid assets. And that's what they that, – that, so there's severe restrictions on that. And a lot of that is stuff that we learned, again, like 100 years ago or even further back, right? Like JP Morgan, like the – like banks were – had – had centuries of experience in understanding, Hey, here's a lot of dumb things that you don't do. Mm. Right. Um, and a lot of them is like, you don't, um, take a loan out of your affiliated hedge fund with your clients assets on a stock exchange. Um, and use that to like repay back some loans that you have on your hedge fund. Like these are things that are just so risky because as soon as there is one dip in price, um, and it's realized how it, this is what this is what the term leverage is, and I think it is actually kind of helpful to think about in a term of what like there is as a, like a turning a corner, right? Where there is let where someone has leverage over you, where they can exercise that leverage, um, and that's what uh, that's what when you're over leveraged is, and and that's when you're going to just fall under the crushing weight of your debts mm. um, because all of a sudden the thing that you thought was valuable is no longer valuable enough to pay back your creditors. Um, and and that's the kind of what's amazing about cryptocurrency is that it is a valueless token. There is no value, right? Like we need to remember I, as, as if we're left people, right? Is that like all value derives from labor. All value comes from what people do and contributes okay and cryptocurrency has no labor you were just buying giving someone a hundred dollars and you were cashing out with like a thousand it was maybe one of the most inflationary things in the past like five years was just like this crypto boom because there was nothing actually there right so then when people realized that there was nothing to do with it its value started slowly slowly trickling down right like in, in the spring it was what Bitcoin was like in the sixty thousand for one Bitcoin, and now it's like eleven thousand. Okay, this is one of the biggest losses of net worth and value in our economy, like ever that's ever happened. Is this what is what's going on right now? And a lot of that is because crypto has no value, and people were just um, doing all the dumb things that you're not supposed to do because there is this mindset that you can kind of. Um, escape the oppression of the financial system with technology. Right. Well, I, I do want to ask, like, how different is that from just money in general? Because, you know, the MMT people would say that if you have a sovereign currency, you don't really have to back it up with anything. It's, this is, you know, ultimately valueless and we can do with it what we will. Uh, is is there a... What, what's, like, the significant difference, I guess it would probably be the, the backing of a sovereign state, right? Is, are there any other key differences between just money in general and crypto? It's a good question. I Thank mean, you. the basic one is like you would add, like ask a Salvadorian, like working class person, which one's going to get them bread. Um, and when they get paid, what do they get paid in? Money is still this, this like a symbolic transference of value. And that is all it is. And modern monetary theory um, is a very edgy position that if you control the value of the dollar, if you are the global fiat currency, then there is nothing from which you can tether yourself to 
except for your own inflationary value. And that's the only curb on modern monetary theory right. because that is all that all of us are tethered to. Because if you have um, you know, 10 children, you're not going to pay attention to your 10 children as much as you would if you had an only child. Because I've always said that. It's an element of inflation. There's just too much of something going around and you value it less when there's more of it. And you so that Irish people, monetary- less kids. <laughs> he can say that. <laughs> you can have a bunch of kids still not have 10 kids. Cause 10 kids, if your child four through eight, you got to really feel like you're just like a plus one mm-hmm. in yeah. any dinner. Yeah. Date. At least space them out decade each. Sure. Absolutely. Do them in batches. But anyway, absolutely. You Whereas, saved. if you're an only child, you are the the one and only. The With one the only strength something. of semen nowadays, there's never been a better time to have <laughs> ten children. Is this a commercial break, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you have an unfertilized egg lying around the house? With semen, we can put a kid in there. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week. Come. <laughs> That's right. Ask your doctor. A, the fresh maker. <laughs> Then he call it a liquid asset. Yeah, I'm about to pull, oh, there there about to pull out my liquid assets all over this beanbag chair. <laughs> a smart podcast. You're in the incubator. <laughs> um, but I, I uh, so to answer your question, yeah. modern monetary theory is also constrained by inflation. Right. But modern monetary theory is kind of going off of the idea that there is no debt because we create the dollar, and as long as the United States government and th- and behind that its military is imposing the monopoly of the US dollar fiat we will be able to we don't owe anyone anything because we can always just print more money yeah. um, but that has to still be constrained by workers doing work the US dollar doesn't owe you anything right <laughs> the US dollar doesn't have to explain to you why it can print more money <laughs> or why there's a fucking pyramid with an eye on the back yeah, it doesn't really have to explain that. <laughs> have, has anybody just considered that it's dope and that's why we have it? It was pretty cool. It's fucking sick as hell. <laughs> I definitely love uh, having more than one of them. But dollars, I, that is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is like a principle, though. Of econ- uh, like a, it, there's a difference between, like, I also want to say this, is like, there is a difference between, like, fundamental economic principles about scarcity and value and like capitalism and communism, right? Like there is no principle, like fundamental principles of like value and scarcity apply in a communist state right. as much as they do in a in in a capitalist state. Absolutely. Um, um, the difference is that just like a capitalist state just like overly commodifies and privatizes ownership of those uh, transactions, right? Um, so these things still apply. Cuba still has to buy wheat from the from the soviet union right like there's still trade uh you know arbitrage sort of stuff that you like there's as long as there is currency as long as there is any sort of exchange there will be like basic economic principles of supply and demand and elasticity and stuff like that um so that's um anyways on the mmt question there it's an interesting point i think i do think that inflation will always apply and crypto there's just not um there's no there there, I guess. Right. I would say that it is also more inflationary. I would argue cryptocurrency has been more inflationary than any bailout that we've been given 
in the past few years mm. during the coronavirus parent pandemic um, because those bailouts were just like meeting an immediate need of like rescuing people. Whereas crypto has just been like, <clears throat> I'm going to go to the money store and exchange my $1 for $10. And that's, that's what it was. And that was just with no real meaning or like intent behind it. So, um, blatantly, and that's you, all I have to say about that. Well, are you saying well, that, though that kind of a dumb question, but I, I just want to pinpoint this. Are you saying that, um, crypto has possibly driven dollar inflation that we've been? Yes. Okay. Interesting. What would happen? And, um, I guess I don't fully understand the FTX story. Were they caught in some kind of, uh, 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 bankruptcy or were they just caught laundering money? Well, let's get back to this. Let's tell that story, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, so they were doing just fine. Crypto went. So basically all of that's to say is that the cryptocurrency was starting to go down in value because people had nothing to do with it. Right. And when that was happening, a couple companies um, were starting to, you know, go bankrupt. They were like these uh, things called stable coins, which were collapsing in one day. Um, and there was just like some trouble in, in the waters because people realized there was nothing to do. Then a story comes out on this publication called Coindesk, which is actually affiliated with um, a lot of other cryptocurrency projects, but they are an independent journalism and newsroom and they reported on a story about alameda research's holdings remember that is the hedge fund that bankman fried runs and turns out alameda research had on its books a proprietary cryptocurrency owned by ftx and created by ftx called ftt does that make sense not really and but keep going what what that mean okay so again this is like really hard to wrap your head around and it's so crazy and made up because none of this is real okay none of this is that important what's to say is that the value of ftt the cryptocurrency is directly tied to the value of the exchange okay so this thing that's supposed to be a ledger like the new york stock exchange of crypto is making its own currency like if the NYSE were to start printing its own money. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and it turns news. out that that is proving the exact point that the regulators have been trying to prove forever, which is that cryptocurrency is a security. These things are in vet percentages of holdings in a company. Okay. These are stocks. Okay. That's all they are. That's all crypto tokens really are. Dogecoin is a security mostly and ftt was basically stock ownership of ftx and it was um so the value was directly tied to it and alameda owned it turned out owned a lot of stock of ftx they perceive a huge once that comes out um that is a huge conflict of interest okay it, there already was a conflict of interest because a hedge fund was like owned by one guy was also operating on the platform that it was doing. It was trying to be the baseball player and the umpire at the mm. same time. Big no-no. It's never been finance done. typically. <laughs> but it happens all the time. Frank, it, it does. It, yeah. it happens all the time in finance. Big no-no, though. I think that it's like big takeaway. But this was particularly egregious. And it was one of the majority shareholders of it. And Everyone operating FTX was also operating Alameda Research, and there was no real firewalls, no distinctions between them. Okay, 
the, once that comes out, um, the biggest rival to uh, FTX is Binance. Okay, and there's this uh, guy. Uh, he goes by CZ. He's this Chinese guy, and he notices it, and he um, says, "I don't have faith in FTX because of this conflict of interest." Then, once that ha- he tweets that. Once that happens, markets crash. Everyone starts pulling their money out of FTX because they see this conflict of interest. They see how over leveraged they are. Again, right? There's totally, totally risk uh, prone. And everyone pulls out. All of a sudden, they are like on the verge of declaring bankruptcy. Binance is going to buy them out. But then, and so literally within 24 hours, these two titans of cryptocurrency, one of them sends one tweet and it takes down the rival. Oh, my God. And then he looks at the rival's paperwork and he looks actually like at the financials and what's going on. And he says, this is a mess. I cannot buy this. And that takes it down. It'd be like if JP Morgan looked at, uh, I mean, JP Morgan Chase looked at Citibank and said like, you know, in 2008 and says, we would buy you, uh, but you are so terrible that we cannot afford you. This is kind of like when Donald Trump said Jeb Bush is a, is a mess. If he then was going to buy his family, but then <laughs> upon seeing how busted his wife is, was like, I don't even want your family. And so he couldn't do it. This is a really good comparison. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> I need examples in the physical world. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, you can kind of imagine it with any entity, right? Like, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox, um, you know, they like perceive a cheating scandal with the Yankees, the Red Sox, all of a sudden the Yankees like collapse. No one goes to Yankees games anymore. Mm. Um, ticket sales plummet. Everyone, all their players get traded away. And the Red Sox have the opportunity to buy the Yankees. And the Red Sox say, actually, you're so systemically terrible that we are not even going to buy you. And we're just going to let you collapse because we can't afford to rescue you. We don't even want to be the New York Red Sox. That disgusts yeah. us. <laughs> and it, it's... um. It just like totally shakes up the entire world. And this goes back to Sam Bankman-Fried kind of like as a person because he had convinced everyone that he was this um, like kind of guru kid. Yeah, he had like he a Steve Jobs kind of like aura around him, didn't he? Yeah. From kind Turtle of Matt more Dandy. like a Zuckerberg. Those, yeah, because he's, like, he's wearing the hoodies and shit. Yeah. He's a type. There's like a type of guy that he was trying to be. He's like yeah. the M&M of money. Because yes, of the Alex. hoodie. Yes. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> because Eminem wears hoodie. That was all. And he threw up spaghetti on himself. <laughs> when he found... <laughs> That's the yeah, first so he, thing that happened. Yeah. I mean, he did tweet all of this. Like, he, like, inculpated himself completely in all of his tweets, like, admitting faults in all of this shit that he did. So, like, all of this is publicly known. Um, and he... Uh, is just it's like a huge collapse uh he had convinced like regulators he had met with he had like become one of the biggest lobbyists for crypto on capitol hill he had close connections to the democratic party had helped form some crypto legislation to basically like take it out of the financial regulation and make it its own special thing um is the long and short of it uh and he 
had had the ads. Do you guys remember the Larry David ad yes. in the Super Bowl? Absolutely, I do. Oh, has, was, yeah. Which he's now getting... Uh, all of the celebrities are getting sued over those advertisements, <laughs> yeah. which is the funniest possible. I mean, he has <laughs> some plausible deniability, as has been pointed out, that because in the ad, Larry David is saying, no, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he got paid millions for it. Yeah, so. Matt yeah. Damon's fucked, though. Yeah, no, he really... There's no getting out of that one. <laughs> yeah, you were dressed as an astronaut. You were inspiring everyone. <laughs> he like, definitely thought it was a good idea. Fortune favors the bold, so does uh, misfortune. There is misfortune. Um, but I, I do want to ask this uh, to, related. So, you know, there's been for probably since before the New Deal, but at least since the New Deal, there has been a regulatory apparatus for money for Wall Street as weak as it is. And as much as we need to, I think, um, you know, reinstate things like a firewall between commercial investment banks, have more yeah. teeth, more consequences for bankers, traders. Um, what apparatus is there for crypto? Has it kind of been under that? And, and it sounds like there's kind of a, a it's been a gray area and, and the, the, the government is not sure what to do with it. Will, will that change? It's a great question. Thank you. Um, and the big issue is people trying to figure out what is crypto. And it's like, it, it, it all goes back to the like, like the crypto bro at the bar trying to explain to regulators what Bitcoin is. And because there's, it, it is not necessarily that people don't understand the technology. It is that people don't understand the relationships that the technology creates. Okay. It, so financial regulation is technology neutral. It ha You can have investment relationships. You can have banks. You can have a hedge fund. You can have all of these things with non-currency you don't have to have there, there one, a very famous case um a de defining what a security is is i think with like an orchard um and they said that people investing in this orchard um are investing in what is in, in what an in, in investment company or in investing in a security um and there is a big question as to what crypto is and depending on what crypto is will determine which regulator gets to control to regulate it and the big two people who have been fighting are the Securities and Exchange Commission and the Commodities Future Trading Commission. Um, and securities – SEC regulates securities. CFTC regulates commodities. Securities are like stocks of companies. AMC, you know, GameStop, IBM, whatever. Okay? Um, and But then they also regulate a bunch of stuff. Like they regulate funds. They regulate like – you know, T. Rowe Price and Goldman Sachs's funds and all these like the fund industry and stuff, right? Um, but then the CFTC regulates gold and commodities trading, corn. You know, if you remember um, trading places, that movie, you know, where they're like betting on orange juice futures, the Eddie Murphy movie with Dan Aykroyd. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, that is commodities, right? That's what they're they're doing. They're commodities trading because they're. Uh, and so that that's th those are two separate regulators. Um, the SEC is like the definitely much more alpha, much much more Chad, uh, much bigger bigger remit, more resources, um, much more developed law. The CFTC, um, none of those things by comparison. Crypto wants to be either a currency like what they are trying to be in El Salvador, 
Okay. A currency again is is the third category that they could be. A currency is like dollars, right? These are the the fiat government exchange value things with a monopoly on the exchange of value that is controlled by a government. That's that's what a currency is, right? So, and there's only one currency in the United States, and that's the dollar. The only dollar. Yeah, and what regulates those is is the Federal Reserve and like um, bank regulators and things like that. Um, and but really, it comes. They they know crypto is never going to be that. So realistically, they want to be reg- regulated by the CFTC or by their own new entity. That's what some people hope for. But Sam Bankman-Fried is really pushing for is one of the people who's trying to like normalize crypto and bring it into the mainstream fold of the of the financial system and one of the things that people are trying to do is to get it regulated by the, as a commodity which would mean that it would have a lot looser restrictions mm-hmm. um on what it can and can't do and the SEC is contending and it's still contending that the overwhelming majority of these crypto projects are securities um but they're caught up in court and they can't fully enforce the law against all these crypto projects and say sue them for securities fraud or sue this stock exchange for operating an unregistered securities exchange or sue all these crypto brokers for being unregistered broker dealers or uh sue uh you know Larry David for offering uh you know the, the, you know what was he doing? He was offering like he wasn't offering investment advice, but he was uh, touting. Right? Mm-hmm. These, these are all of everything comes down to what crypto is. The entire regulatory apparatus and why crypto has ran rampant for as long as it has is because the SEC has been caught up in one or two key litigations for the past like three years over whether specific high-profile crypto projects are considered securities. And therefore, once they get that, once they win that case, and it goes all the way to the Supreme Court, because that's what they'll do, is they're going to appeal it all the way to the Supreme Court, um, then they will have proven in legal court that they um, can regulate this space. Um, so it's all going back to the judges. And um, those that case is XRP. If you ever go on financial Twitter, people will like, or if you follow Gary Gensler on Twitter, there's like a million trolls that like have like Gary Gensler, who's the chair of the SEC, who's saying like you're stealing from people. XRP is not a security, and you know all this stuff. It's like a whole little subsection of the of Twitterverse and Reddit. Um, and that sounds like a core... great place to spend your time if you would like to meet some <laughs> cool, interesting people. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, well, so that's the kind of like the big fight, and what. FTX has proven is that really these FTT tokens, um, I think, are kind of the linchpin in proving operationally that they acted like a security. And it will be very obvious to see how right and vindicated the SEC was in saying that these are securities. And it I know this sounds like it's opaque and stupid and a meaningless distinction. All of these things are made up. In other countries, <laughs> there's not that much of a distinction between a security and a commodity. But America is dumb and weird, and it's all kind of made up. But it does actually have really, really big consequences. Well, should we perhaps uh, fold them into the same thing? Maybe. People have wanted to do that, but the Senate Agriculture Committee um, regulates the CFTC, and they it's just politics. 
Okay. Uh, well, speaking of politics, to <laughs> ask another kind of wonk question about the the alphabet soup, the CFPB, uh, Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, yes. kind of seems like their ambit when they began was to stop stuff like this, protect consumers from financial predation. Mm-hmm. Where are they in all in this mix? Um, great question. I didn't know that you were a Liz lad. Um, <laughs> Still with her? That, that was she. She did it, dude. That's her thing. She can uh, win if you vote for her. I. By the <laughs> way, when I, they have the saddest building in uh, on Capitol Hill, the CFP. Yeah. It it's kind of got like millennial fonts. Yeah. What does it look like? Uh, it's just like like uh, three stories smaller than all the other ones around it, and, the, oh. and yeah, like lowercase font. Um, letters oh. and they like yeah it looks like kind of like one of something her campaign would come up with. That's all right. People building. are being goaded and tempted into buying these sick coins. <laughs> That's her talking about. Buildings are too big. That's they're awesome. at least three stories too big. <laughs> I mean they're cooperating with DC. You're supposed to have there's a law where you can't have the buildings too high. Because of the, the uh, Washington Monument, somebody's gonna get hurt. And who came up with that law was Elizabeth Warren, actually. I bet. <laughs> no. I bet one of her descendants. Yeah. If you uh, can yeah, find maybe. all of the lies in this podcast, you win a prize. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what are they? Tr- are they trying to do anything about this? Are they? Are they um, hamstrung? They to- are bank fraud, and none okay. of these are banks. Ah, um, that makes sense. It, it's but the weird thing is, is that they can did bank like functions. Get bank man. I was for about to say, yeah. <laughs> lying that's bank fraud it, it, it's um they so coinbase had a quasi bank and ftx had a quasi bank where you could store in theory you could store your crypto assets and in theory it would be safe and untouched and that was just like a storage spot um and that's basically what a bank is supposed to be right um but uh these are not dollars these are crypto projects and that when you're a, a place that stores securities is a custodian. Ah. Okay. And they were basically operating like a custodian. But a custodian has very severe controls on what it can and can't do. And a custodian can't buy and sell stuff. And it certainly can't buy and sell stuff in the same way that um, FTX was doing. And FTX, at its core, at the worst thing that it really did was that it was taking people's money that it said was they were just storing and they were using it to pay back their debts on Alameda research. They were using it to pay for buying their houses and their food and their like catering company and their rent and their, I don't know. I, I assume a lot their, of their you know, lube. polycule stuff. Yeah. Polycule stuff. If yeah, you see yeah, a custodian yeah. and he offers you to let you store your securities in his nice secure closet, <laughs> <laughs> janitor's closet with his mop bucket. Be careful because you don't know what he's doing in there. Yeah, you can put your PlayStation in here. It'll be safe. <laughs> uh, well, you mentioned this, the Supreme Court, which is making some headlines today, but uh, obviously a lot of fingers of industry in that pie, uh, you know, tainting certain decisions that they make. Has crypto, obviously they've been big on influencing Congress, um, yeah. both parties. Do they do they have a shot there and on that that upcoming potential case? Which which case? The, well, David is saying that this could go all the way to the Supreme Court. Oh, okay. The question of oh, what is crypto? Do they whether okay? So Anders is asking whether the Supreme Court is going to decide that crypto is or is not a security. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 
I think that XRP is going to lose. Um, hmm. I, I I haven't read all the filings. I haven't been following that specific case, but I I it's just um and I I it is a conservative Supreme Court. Um, I think that like there's a lot of people who like question the conflicts of interest that exist among certain justices. Um, but it, it's. I think they're Something all too I, old to actually have like investment in this. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll have generational <laughs> resentment towards yeah. the entire thing. I think. Also, you know, true. say what you will about conservatives, they do like money. That's they true. probably don't want uh, our economy to be fucking tanked by uh, polycules living in the Bahamas. Right. They also all have <laughs> actual money, so right. they don't yeah. really need fucking there the entire republican apparatus in the past like three years has become incredibly pro crypto um i think cynthia lummis in wyoming and pat toomey who's about to leave um are two of the biggest crypto proponents but um gillibrand in new york Mm -hmm. is a huge crypto proponent um like i think there's a lot of very centrist democrats that are as well but really overall like the Republican establishment has become incredibly pro crypto, actually. Yeah. Um, and that's just extensive lobbying. And it, it fits in with people's ideology. I mean, this is these like, there's a lot of like, you know, say what you will, but these are like bona fide libertarians who yeah. um, stick to their guns about being greedy capitalists. And crypto is the most cynical project devoted to that. Right. It, it's this weird kind of contradiction because you have these people like, you know, Ron Paul who are, always talking about sound money and the importance of a strong dollar, but they're totally okay with, and you know, he, I remember this has been something he's been talking about for a long time is legalize money, have, you know, different tenders and stuff. Legalize it. Legalize it. The green stuff. Like this is very inflationary. It's just a tree. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go on. (laughs) But well, I I do want to ask like, cause uh, it seems like, uh, up until this shit hit the fan, Bankman-Fried kind of wanted, you know, less global barriers to buying crypto and to get little, making sure it can move around the world smoothly. Is there anybody in the cryptocurrency movement community, whatever you want to call it, that envisions an actual like one world currency that is like crypto or do- whatever their their Dogecoin or whatever particular coin that they they have? I don't think anyone says it publicly anymore. I think in 2020, there were a lot of people that you could look at their old tweets um, where people were really, really. um, Everyone was on board with the Zog coin. Yeah. I mean, just like, like (laughs) recklessly utopian and like ludicrously. So, I mean, just, you know, this is going to be a cure all. I mean, it's um, people don't certainly people stop saying it in 2022 because of its, um, precipitous decline but um a couple of years ago there were people who were really 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 bullish and utopian about it i mean there was like i saw a tweet of someone being like can cryptocurrency there's this other cryptocurrency thing called a dow and someone posted like oh, can a dow repl- yeah like can a dow replace unions like can yeah. is that how we reignite the labor movement with DAOs? and let's like i mean these people are like people say this sort of stuff on financial Twitter all the time, um, or like, or the op-ed pages of Bloomberg or CoinDesk or the Wall Street Journal, um, or or the FT sometimes. Um, and it, it's uh, people had a lot, a lot of optimism in it. And I think what's kind of insane for me is someone who's always been skeptical of this 
and a lot of other people is that just how amazingly fast this is all collapsing yeah. right in front of our eyes. Is there any chance there's like, um, you know, severe economic damage that's done by these like wild unregulated assets that have like spread through our economy like a cancer? Um, it's a good question. I think a lot of financial institutions have been like pr- reasonably prudent in their exposure. Um, a lot like BlackRock and big financial institutions have some crypto tokens. They just like hold them. They just own them or they have invested in them. But that's mostly been their like hedge fund wing. Um, a lot of like re- some retirement providers like Fidelity offers crypto in its 401ks. Um, and there's a couple other like big fights over whether to allow for like basically a Bitcoin ETF or Bitcoin mutual fund. Um, and that's something that is way too in the weeds. Um, but that would basically, these sorts of things would give, would further enmesh traditional finance with, you know, cryptocurrency finance overall, this is one, like a trillion dollars in the entire capital markets in the United States. And the United States has $100 trillion Mm. its overall value. So while this collapse, it looks like very apocalyptic and insane. um, A lot of us probably will be relatively shielded from it if you didn't put all your money in crypto. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't you say that at the beginning? All those patron dollars. Please keep subscribing. I've learned to invest wisely. Look out, Eric Adams. Um, That's so funny. I forgot about that. (laughs) As we're rounding out here, uh, I do want to know what you think should be the, the legal response or the political uh, response to to crypto should it be like taxed into oblivion uh how should our elected officials and and us just as people living in the economy uh address it i mean right now it's doing a pretty good job of like destroying itself i mean <laughs> you already have like um other institutions that are collapsing like BlockFi and voyager and genesis which is owned by the winkle winklevoss twins oh boy. um and it's just never my prediction is that it's never really going to recover to its own. It's like its sense of dominance that it did. Um, It's a good question. I think that with our current structure, um, unless we passed a law banning it, like what they did in China, um, cryptocurrency is illegal in China um, along with multi-level marketing schemes um, and a lot of other like pernicious capitalist uh, little tools. It's an authoritarian um, state. Yeah, MLM <laughs> is allowed, but not MLMs. <laughs> That's a good uh, joke. Did you guys get that? That's yeah. a really good joke. You understand no, my really good. esoteric joke? Market Marxist honestly, marketing. If we didn't even have this podcast, you couldn't even make a joke like that. And that's why it, that's the service we're providing. <laughs> this whole episode has been unlistenable unless you have extreme <laughs> internet brain damage. <laughs> I learned so much. I mean, I couldn't like explain it to a second person, but while it was happening, I really learned. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta watch the big short like four times. I'm not gonna do that again. (laughs) I was just talking about the jokes. I think I I think I'm following what you're talking about with the like I learned the securities versus commodities things. I get it now, I think. How did these people not know they were going to be caught and it would be embarrassing? It doesn't seem like anything they were doing was very hidden from anybody. 
they were in the Bahamas buying their own bullshit, right? Well, they, I mean, they're physically in the Bahamas. They're all sucking <laughs> each other off down there. <laughs> they're too busy going down south. Playing board games, elaborate board games with each other. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's just like a very, there's an echo chamber. Um, and there's just like a confidence man <clears throat> thing of believing that um, you can just kind of like replicate all of these, just like recreate things from scratch. scratch. It's like this uber confidence and um, I don't know. Too busy I, playing I sexual mouse trap to see the <laughs> trap they were falling into themselves. I'm sorry, I have one more question. Or weren't they like huge donors to the Democratic Party? I've seen that like floating around. Yeah, how is Sean Mickle we related to this story? I see his name keep talking <laughs> up. Sean Mickle. He was rubbing elbows. So uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. From- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Bankman-Fried's parents, in addition to being law professors, are like big Democratic and liberal with a capital L sort of activist people and triple parentheses democrats <laughs> <laughs> and they just kind of did a lot of like fundraising and organizing kind of at like a very corporate level like lobbying sort of stuff um and he was trying to i think anders this is kind of like what you were talking about with uh, his kind of like ideology is that he in part wanted to make as much money as he could so he could change the world for right. the better um and like make the donate it or like give it to political causes and like fight the you know this is how we abolish ice funny how those things are on the blockchain completely at odds yeah we didn't even get into their their philosophy well yeah well yeah Yeah. that was his own thing though and i think that that's like it's it's really hard to tell how cynical he was about it um and just or like how stupid he was with it but that's why he was connected with the democrats is because ultimately he was trying to make as much money as possible so he could give it away and or contribute it to uh, what political causes he deemed morally necessary to make the world a better place. Yeah. And part of that was he saw was the Democratic Party. Of course. Cool. Easy Thanks, mistake. man. <laughs> uh, well, if... Sorry, go ahead. No, that's it. Okay, cool. Yeah. If folks want to get a more in-depth analysis of this, where can they read your work? Um, You know, you can... Follow my, I don't know, I, I don't have anything to plug. <laughs> I like deleted Twitter when Elon bought it, um, but I ha- I publish on the FT. Yeah. Um, I have some freelance stuff on my website, uh, www.davidbradleyeisenberg.com. Uh, it's with an I uh, in the beginning of the last name. And that's mostly where you can find me on the internet these days. Cool. Well, we shall link to that in the show notes. But uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining us and breaking this down. Oh, and uh, Mastodon, too, I guess. Mastodon. <laughs> Check it out. Sure, Get the going. website we are all definitely going to use. Be sure Mastodon. to join David's herd on Mastodon. <laughs> <laughs> You'll understand when you get the app. <laughs> thank you for thank explaining you. Um, money to us, plebs. Yeah, thank you for going to school that long so you can yeah. do this. Someone had to. I always appreciate you having you as a person I can go, please explain the GameStop thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. It's, you know, it's important to understand capitalism so we can get a, create a different alternative if we want to, you know? Ain't that the truth? Totally. Yeah, brother. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Wow, that was quite an interview. I learned so much. Yeah, Zooks. Damn. Um, I'll think about that next time I'm at the bank. Yeah. <laughs> I'll 
think about the next time I'm on my Bloomberg arcade station I, that's Bloomberg, in my apartment. Yeah, Bloomberg Terminal, which is not an ATM like I thought it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a black box, right? I, I always imagine. I still it, don't know what it is. <laughs> like a stand-up Mortal Kombat machine, but you're like, wow, yeah. I'm investing so hard right now. <laughs> I threw my assets into a fan. <laughs> Uh, something you could do in Mortal Kombat, Anders. Yeah. Something you can do in real life. True. You could, but you should not. And I'm saying that now on the podcast. What do we got going on? <laughs> What's up? Let's get the fuck out of here. Um, anybody got plugs? I do. I'm going to plug this. Uh, I, I had my comedy show yesterday, and uh, the a fan from this show came, and they didn't know I started a new podcast. So I'm going to say it again. I have a show where I read Quora's with Jeremy Kaplowitz. It's called Quora-rators, Q-U-O-R-A-T-O-R-S, like curators, but for Quora, or mm. orators for Quora. Yes, I have heard that feedback. It could be anything you want, but it's already, it's in some, it's cemented. It's happening, Quora-rators. Uh, and then you don't need to follow me on Twitter. That shit's going to explode. But, uh, yeah. Oh, and, uh, Jake's on the next game boys, uh, December 16th. Oh yeah. Come to game boys. Hell yeah. At Anders Lee here on while it's there, Twitter, uh, which we don't Everybody's acting like they know what's going to happen either way. <laughs> you don't know. We could all look foolish and it'll be around for another hundred years or it could be done by the time you're listening to this. We don't really have no clue and that's fine. It's one um, of God's great mysteries. Yeah, but I am, because of this, in part, giving TikTok another shot. You can check me out, at Andersley here, Dursley1. I don't know which one is the handle. They're both on my profile. <laughs> so, check it out. No. Um, I'm at Jordan Peterson on Twitter. <laughs> I'm back. I've been reinstated for my own self ex, ex, self-imposed exile. Up yours, woke moralists. Um, we'll see who cancels who. We'll see who cancels who. I'm going on. Wait for okay. I'm I'm playing uh, Alex's show, Game Boys, December sixteenth. Uh, probably doing some other spots around New York, and then going on tour first second week of January. Which great idea, Jake. Everyone's it's gonna be gonna, cold. Everyone's gonna come out the second week of January. <laughs> uh, with Mishka Shubali, we're going uh, through the um, Midwest. We're going to Columbus. Uh, we're going to come down to Memphis to play a show with my friend's Heels, cool Ooh. punk band. They just released a really incredible new album. It's on J6. It's called Heels Direction. We're going to flip over a Waffle House or something down there. I'm not real sure, but it sounds fun. And then we're going the usual route down, you know, through the southeast to Texas and all that shit. And then I'm coming back and never touring again and again. Like I say every time, I think that's it. Oh, my other podcast is called Why You Mad. We're back. Uh, listen to that. And that's it. Come to Jake's January 6th show. We're going to kill Mike Pence. Yep. <laughs> it's a finished. Ka-ching! Seacrest out. Ring a ding ding. <laughs>